so I realized this week and want to share with you that bodies are gross. I know that we like to think that they're not, wish that they were not, pretend that they are not, but I was just thinking about it this week, and bodies are gross. Anybody who has had a small child knows how gross bodies are, and you say, oh, but the little babies, they are so cute. Yes, they are cute because there are hours spent wiping, cleaning, bathing to make that child cute again because a lot of the time they're gross. Or you spend time talking with an old person over lunch and they will tell you unashamedly how gross bodies are. (laughs) And everything in between, between baby and old gross over lunch, you just pretend, right? But you get up in the morning and you have a room dedicated to your house to look in the mirror and make sure your body is not too gross for today. What can I do about this? How can I remedy this situation? Well, the, the reason that I say this is because today we're going to be talking about bodies and how bodies relate to God, and I think that we will see that there are challenges and ways that we can overcome those challenges. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my, my daughter has just died, but come, lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus, Jesus has been doing all kinds of different things, but now uh, we have somebody come rushing in. In the midst of, of talking, somebody comes rushing in. Matthew gives us no pause. We just are transitioning from one thing to another very quickly, and now we have a ruler coming up to Jesus and saying, come quickly, come quickly, you, you need to help. Now, this happens a lot to Jesus, that people come running in and say, I need your help. But this person is a ruler. It's not specified here. It could be a Roman official of some kind. It is probably, though, a ruler in the synagogue, somebody who is in high standing religiously in the synagogue that is uh, now coming to Jesus. And he has been having problems, right? His daughter was... um, has just died. Think, think about the, the level of desperation now that is in this father. Jesus was a controversial figure, um, maybe not quite uh, completely rejected yet, but at least controversial amongst the Jews here, and the religious leaders were still trying to decide what they thought about this guy, but this ruler has no qualms. He, he just comes rushing to Jesus and is going, Jesus, I need your help. I need your help. I need you, I need you to come because my daughter has, has just died. Perhaps she has been sick and, and they have tried various remedies and now uh, on her deathbed and then dying and, and now the, the ruler comes to Jesus and is going, I, I've got nothing left. The humility that's required for that. To come and and say, I I don't have any other options. You are my only choice. It's you or nothing. I have no other hope right now. Do you ever 
turn to Jesus in that way? That level of, of desperation where you're going, Jesus, apart from you, there is no hope. It's too late to do anything else. It's too late to turn anywhere else. It's too late to ask anyone else. There's no one else that could fix this. My daughter has just died. It's too late. Nobody else would be able to do anything about this, but Jesus, you could do something. You could do something. Please, please come. Please come and help me. Because if you were to come, if you were to come and you were to lay your hand on her, she will live. Now, this is, this is a, a ruler who's on his knees before Jesus, begging for Jesus to come. He loves his daughter, and he wants help. Now, if, if he's a ruler in the synagogue, he, he knows that dead bodies, that, that's a problem. If you, if you have a, a dead body in your house, you're going to have to cleanse that house. Anybody who goes into that house or anybody who touches a dead body is going to be defiled. In fact, in, in Numbers chapter 19, it said, whoever touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean for seven days. He shall cleanse himself with water on the third day and on the seventh day and then will be clean. But if he doesn't cleanse himself on the third day and the seventh day, he will not become clean. And whoever touches a dead, dead person, the body of anyone who has died and does not cleanse himself, defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from Israel. Because the water for impurity was not thrown on him, he shall be unclean, and his uncleanness shall still be on him. Jesus, come and touch my dead daughter. Come and touch my dead daughter and she will live. He's got a problem. He loves his daughter. His daughter has died, and his only hope is that Jesus will come. Take pity on him and on her and touch her so that she will live. And in verse 19, it says, And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. No discussion no questions. He just comes in, drops onto his knees, Jesus, will you come? And Jesus gets up with his disciples and they all go together. And in the process of this desperate father dragging Jesus along, quickly, quickly, let's go. We have an interruption. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Well, that was unexpected. We had the story of a desperate man, a high-ranking official who was in desperate need and needed Jesus to come with him and now suddenly interrupted in the process. What's going to happen? Time out. We're going to talk about something else now. We're going to have a completely different situation with a completely different person. 
This is not a high-ranking official. This is a woman who is sneaking up behind Jesus. A woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Here's a woman who has been dealing with menstrual issues for 12 years. That's a long time. And while always challenge and something to, uh, that, that needs to be dealt with, this woman, it makes her unclean. We have in uh, Leviticus chapter 15... In Leviticus chapter 15, there is a, a whole litany of things that make people unclean. Basically, the point of chapter 15 is bodies are gross. Anytime something comes out of your body, it makes you gross. It makes you unclean. And you have to be cleansed. You have to, to bathe and become clean again. If you have a wound and some sort of discharge comes out, then it has to be uh, dealt with, and then you have to bathe, and then you're unclean until the next day, and then you're made well again. Any kind of inhumation, then bathe, clean, wait until the next day. But this is what it says in Leviticus 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 25. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge she shall continue in uncleanness, as in the days of her impurity she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, all the days of her discharge sh shall be to her as the bed of her impurity, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity. And whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. Thus you shall keep the people, I jump to verse 31, thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. This is the law for him who has a discharge, for him who has an emission of semen, becoming there unclean thereby, also for her who is unwell with her menstrual impurity, that is, for anyone, male or female, who has a discharge, and for the man who lies with a woman, all who are unclean. This woman has been unclean for 12 years. Unable to go into the tabernacle because of her uncleanness. Unable to go into the temple. Anybody that she touches would be unclean. Anything that she sat on or touched that then was touched by someone else would make them unclean. Now, people were dealing with uncleanness all the time regularly unclean. Most people would be unclean a lot of the time. But this, one was this woman was dealing with it perpetually. I think over the last couple of years, we have become more aware of how our bodies keep us from things that we want to do. 
over the last couple of years, there have been times when, am I sick? Might I be sick? I need to stay away. In fact, though, before that, we already knew that, right? We have policies in our children's ministry that essentially say, if thy child hast green snot, keep them home. (laughs) If there has been any fever or vomiting or diarrhea or green snot in the last 24 hours, please do not bring the child to church. If you are a child care worker and any of those things are true of you, please do not come to church because bodies are gross. But we experience that, that it it keeps us distant from other people. It even keeps us distant from worship at times. And for this woman, she's been dealing with this for 12 years. Distant from people, distant from worship. Through no fault of her own. You know that, right? You get sick, that's not your fault. It happens. When you have small children, because they are so gross, at least one parent is going to miss church twice a month. It's not your fault. It's not her fault. Didn't God make us? Didn't God give us these bodies? Why would he give us these bodies that keep us from being in relationship with other people and keep us from being in relationship with him? How come he would make her in this way that would keep her from being able to come and rightly worship with him? After 12 years, you might think that she would be resentful. God, why did you make me this way? Why have you done this to me? You might think that she would reject God and walk away, but in fact, she doesn't. She's looking for opportunities. She's watching for some resolution to this so that she might be restored, and what she finds is Jesus. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. It's not good. Jesus is a powerful guy. It's not going to take that much. I, I don't have to bother him. I don't have to interrupt him. I don't have to stop him from going to where he's going to. There's lots of people here, lots going on. I know that if I touch him, it would make him unpure, but maybe if I just barely touch the the hem of his garment, the fringe of his coat, if I just barely touch him, that would be enough to heal me, but maybe it wouldn't count, it wouldn't defile Jesus. So she sneaks up, in the midst of the crowd, to to touch just the edge of his coat as he goes by, thinking to herself, this will be enough. This will bring me relief. This will bring me restoration so that I can be back in fellowship with people and worship with God. 
For if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. When it says, I will be made well, in the English we render that, will be made well. But in the Greek it says, I will be saved. If I only just get close enough to Jesus, I will be saved. Saved from my affliction. Saved from my distance from God and from people. I will be saved. And Jesus turned. He knows. He knows. She touched him so that she might be made well, and Jesus knows. And he turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Jesus turns not to uh, embarrass her, not to, not to um, chastise her, but to acknowledge her, to honor her, and I think to restore her. He turns and he sees her and he, she, he says to her, be encouraged, take heart. Take heart, my daughter. Your faith has made you well. There wasn't some magic in the touch of the garment. It was her faith that Jesus could save her that saved her. She believed, Jesus can save me. And he did. And he wants her to know, it is your faith that has made you well. It is your faith that has saved you. Through Jesus, but her faith that has done it. And so he turns, and in the midst of everybody, they're on their way, right? Did we forget that already? We got distracted. Did we forget they're on their way to someplace important? And he stops, and he turns. Other people still, whoa, hang on, what are we doing? I thought we were in a hurry. Jesus is, into, Jesus is not in a hurry. He turns, he acknowledges her. And in front of everybody says, you have been saved. You have been made well. You think people knew? I think they knew. She wasn't allowed to participate in community. You touched him? It's okay. Jesus is perfect. We talked about that earlier, right? That Jesus is the, the perfect high priest that despite being tempted just as we are, was completely without sin. Jesus is so holy, he cannot be defiled by the touch of someone who was unclean. 
Jesus is so holy, he cannot be defiled by the touch of someone who is unclean. He rather cleanses those who are unclean. So Jesus turned and said, seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. Do you know what we try and do? We try and pretend we're already well. We go in and we wash our faces, scrub our bodies so that we don't smell gross, cleanse everything, put on the, the, the makeup and the hair things and the, whatever it takes to not look gross. Medications, I've got a runny nose right now. I'm going to take this thing and then I'm not going to have a runny nose anymore. A fever, I'm going to take this thing and then I'm not going to have the fever anymore. We're going to get rid of all of the symptoms that make it look like we are gross. We're going to get rid of all of that so that we can pretend we're not gross just for the day. But when it comes right down to it, she is made well. She is saved by the touch of Jesus. And he welcomes it. He could have gone, ew, gross, cuties. You touched me like a third grade boy. But instead, he says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. He welcomes her. Because even Jesus, in his holiness, has come to take on a body that is like ours. Isaiah chapter 53 Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was crushed for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. If you're reading in Leviticus Chapter 15, those wounds with the discharges are going to make you unclean, but not for Jesus. For Jesus, it is by his wounds that we are healed. It is by his blood that we are made clean. Because he himself is clean. Again, it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
For you were strained like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus says, come, come to me. Come to me, my daughter. I welcome you, and I will make you well. Did we forget? We're in the midst of a story, right? There was something else that was happening. And so in verse 23, it says, And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, it was almost as if we didn't have this quick aside with this woman. Now we're still in motion, on our way to the house. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Here she has recently died, but already there are people there who are mourning. It was necessary that, that mourning uh, would, would happen, that, that there would be at least a couple of people who were playing instruments and weeping. And so the, the higher the official, the more of them they would hire. And so this guy was important, and there were quite a few people that had been prepared. They knew she was going to die. They were anticipating it. And so upon her death, immediately the mourning begins. The professional mourners are there playing their instruments. And Jesus comes up and tells them, go away. She's not dead. She's asleep. And they laughed at him. Nope. She's dead. She's dead. Jesus, you just got here. We've been here. We watched. She was sick. Now she's dead. We all know it. That's why we're here. We're playing the songs. We're singing the songs of mourning because she's dead. And Jesus is going, no, no. No, this is a temporary situation, not a permanent situation. Go away. We, we have no need for you here today. There won't, there won't be mourning here today. I've come instead. Go away, for the girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the little girl arose. Jesus comes in and he, time to get up. Raises her up as though she was asleep. We know she was dead, but for Jesus, death is not a problem. Death is like sleep. What's the difference? I can wake you up from death. Take your hand. Raise you up. And that's the whole story. Just this really fast little story about this desperate father begging Jesus to come, humbly asking, would you come and heal my daughter who has just died, and Jesus coming, putting everybody else out, and raising her up. There are more details in other uh, books, in, Matthew, in Mark and, and Luke, but Matthew just very short. But interrupted in the middle is Jesus referring to this other woman as his daughter, and I think it demonstrates for us God's heart for his children. God loves his daughters. God loves his daughters. 
God loves his daughters so much that he sent Jesus to become a man, to walk among, to bring them healing, and to welcome them in. So that Jesus says, take heart, my daughter, because I love you. Your faith has made you well. I think that this picture of the ruler humbly coming and kneeling before Jesus gives us the picture of God humbly coming and becoming a man so that he could bring us back, restore us. Matthew makes sure that we see this story of God's love for this woman in the context of this ruler's love for his daughter. And in this case, both are saved by trust in Jesus. And we too, Colossians 1 verse 21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In his flesh, he has made us well. Even though we have been doing all of the evil deeds within these bodies, even though we have all of the sin and all of the things that keep us from proper worship with God, Jesus comes and dies on the cross so that we may be presented before God holy and blameless. And the report of this went throughout all the district. Everyone was told about what happened. Everyone was told. Do you know what Jesus did today? The story was not, he woke a little girl up. The synagogue ruler's daughter had died and Jesus brought her back to life. Did you hear about that? Everybody was talking about it. All of the people who had laughed because they had been playing the morning songs were going, whoa, no, this girl was dead and now she's alive. And they're telling everybody. The report went out all across the district so that all would know what had happened. Because Jesus is is not hindered Right? Though these bodies get in the way, they get in the way of relationships, they get in the way of our worship of God at times, but they're not a problem for Jesus. Jesus overcomes all of those things. Those are not issues. He cleanses, he heals, he raises from the dead. Not a problem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, 
I tell you this, brothers, this is verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. For in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. These bodies currently get in the way. They are decaying from the time we are born. And they keep us from proper relationship with one another. They keep us from proper relationship with God. But these bodies will not always get in the way. Because just like an acorn or a seed gets planted in the ground and decomposes so that it can grow up into some kind of a great tree, that's what these bodies are going to be like. He's going to transform these bodies into some sort of a heavenly body. I don't even know what that's going to mean. I've been asked, I'm a pastor, and so I get asked lots of questions, and one of the questions I've been asked is, what do you think the spiritual body is going to look like? I don't know. If you look at an acorn, can you tell what an oak tree is going to look like? If, you, if I give you a seed, can you tell me what kind of a tree it, that's going to turn into? <laughs> Maybe. This seed, I don't know what it's going to turn into. But it's going to be awesome. No longer will this body get in the way of worship. These bodies are going to be transformed because Jesus has come to take on our body And just as he was raised from the dead, we also are going to be raised to a new kind of life. So here's the question for you. Are you going to come to him? Are you going to ask him for his touch? Because the beauty of it is he's never going to go, ew, gross, that body, stay away from me. Instead, he's going to say, come here, my child. Let me make you clean. Let's pray. Lord, we know that there are things that stand in the way of our worship, things in these bodies that physically get in the way, but also the sins of this body that spiritually get in the way. 
And so we ask, Lord, would you make us clean? Would you restore us, transform us, raise us up to a new life with you, that we might no longer be encumbered by these bodies of flesh, but instead given spiritual bodies, that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, would you save us? We ask this in your name. Amen.